All right, welcome back, everyone. We are here with uh, yet another episode, and this is the third round of our series on the cardinal virtues. Basically, what we're doing, we're going through um, the four cardinal virtues, courage, self-control, justice, and wisdom. We've gone through courage and self-control, and so here on uh, Your Life, God's Word, we like to take the principles of God's kingdom and apply them to our Live Now, sometimes that means uh, really focused on the, the life, just the living and reality aspect of things. Other times we like to really focus on character or uh, maybe the spiritual thing. It just doesn't matter whether it's family or money, whatever the topic, we want to take God's word and use that as our truth, that as our guide. So definitely subscribe. Um, and like, hit that bell if you want to uh, be notified whenever things are coming out. And leave a comment if you um, if you find this content um, useful or you have specific requests. Definitely feel free to make some suggestions. You can also go to podcast at breadbreakers.com. That's our email if you want to uh, hit us up there. We're on Facebook as well and most of the podcast um, services such as Spotify and things like that. So lots of ways to get in contact with us and touch base with us. So um, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. Now, to dive into this episode, I want to do um, an opening with several just just scriptures and talk through them. This is going to be much more just scripture and commentary type of episode. As I said, we've already gone through courage and self-control. So you can go back and and uh, watch those if you want to catch up and, and find out kind of what's going on. God does want warriors in his kingdom. He doesn't want wimps. He doesn't want people who are, you know, not serious about him. People who are, oh yeah, they'd love to, you know, get a golden harp and fly around with angels when they die. But they don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to take up their cross. They don't want to deny themselves. They don't want to lose their life so they can find it in Christ. And really, the only ones who are going to be in the kingdom of God are the ones who are willing to deny themselves and follow Christ. One way to do that is through these types of virtues, courage, self-control, justice, and wisdom. Now, justice is interesting. It's an interesting topic. There's a lot of calls for things like social justice today, which is not justice at all. I have a previous video where we talked about that. You can go check that out on the podcast or uh, on the YouTube channel. But today I want to get into the biblical understanding of justice and how that fits. So let's go to Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now, God wants us to be people of justice. And he, he says, I mean, hey, God's not trying to hold it back from you or keep it um, secretive what he wants from you. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Now, justice is interesting because a lot of times when, when we've had wrong against us, 
right? We'll say, yeah, we, we need justice, and that means some kind of retribution. But when we've wronged somebody, then, oh, it's like, oh, no, we don't really want justice so much. We, we want mercy and grace. And God is a God of balance. He's a God of mercy and grace, but he is a God of judgment, and he is a God of justice. And we need to understand this and be people that align with this. Otherwise, our walk with God is going to be incredibly lopsided, difficult, and even frustrating. Um, Isaiah 56 and 1 says this, Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Again, God is telling us, keep justice, hold to justice, be people um, that hold justice in high esteem. Proverbs 17, 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike, an abomination to the Lord. Now, that word abomination, if you want to go search it, you can. Um, I like a Blue Letter Bible, although I use um, Logos Bible software as well, but I mean, Blue Letter Bible is online, it's, so it's in the cloud, it's, it's free, and it has a lot of great resources. So I would recommend go and check it out. Um, this is Strong's H8441. That's the, the Old Testament Strong's numbers. If you're not uh, familiar with that, you know, you probably Google it and come up with a lot of quick ways to figure out what that means. But it's H4, H8441. This is Toevah. Okay, so you might you may have heard that before. The word toevah, which means it is a an abomination to the Lord, and this is used throughout the books of like Leviticus and Deuteronomy for things that most people would say, yes, these are egregious sins, and again, God will say, you know, this is an abomination to me. But here he says that someone who has an improper form of justice, someone who is justifying the wicked or condemning the righteous, right? I mean, they're righteous. They shouldn't be condemned. They should be justified, but we we pervert justice. That is an abomination to God. Calling good evil and evil good is an abomination before God. And yet, our society certainly does, but much of the church, we often do these things. Um, and so we just have to, again, be careful to make sure that we are judging things rightly. And I've got another episode from a while back that we talked about, uh, you know, judging and judgment and things like that. And so many, so often the world's like, oh, you're not supposed to judge and Christians aren't supposed to judge. The Bible says don't judge. The, the Bible says don't judge wrongly. Don't, don't, ju- don't be judgmental all the time. But it never tells people of God that we are, we should abstain from judging. Uh, that, doesn't make any sense, and even in the context of places where it says, you know, don't judge unless you 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 will be judged. It it literally says, you know, take the take take the beam out of your eye so you can see clearly to help your brother with that speck in his eye. He doesn't say just don't judge whatsoever. He's saying, hey, first of all, turn the judgment on yourself. Be people that walk in self reflection, confession, repentance. But then, yes, help others. Judge others, judge situations. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, you can go listen to that one too. But that's something that a lot of people go off into, and even in the Christian realm. Oh, who am I to judge? Well, apparently, nobody. 
God tells the, the, the church that we, we should be able to judge certain matters and certain things, and so apparently you're not part of the church. If you think you don't have any, I can't judge. I can't look at a situation. I don't know the Word of God, right? And we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit here, talk about being ambassadors for God. Well, I mean, what are you saying? You're basically saying, I don't know where God stands on anything. I don't know where God stands on this situation, I, I, so who am I to judge? Well, we're supposed to know. We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to be able to develop that mind of Christ, that mind of God, to know what He says about things. How are we going to teach and preach and proclaim you know, the Word when we don't know the Word? So it's really just a cop-out, but a lot of Christianity has gotten there. A lot of Christianity is just a, a cop-out. It's wimpy. It's a bunch of sissies running around, you know, trying to have the world and also have Jesus. Well, you can't have both. Um, you know, trying to step on eggshells and tiptoe around and not offend anybody. And I'm sorry, you can't be a Christian and be completely inoffensive to all people. That's not possible. Here you are teaching truth, pulling people out of darkness, saying, come to the light. Jesus is the way. All these things come out of your sin, right? There are certain behaviors and thought processes that are antithetical to the kingdom of God, and they must be changed and washed by by the transformation of our minds. These are things that some people do not want to do, and so we will be offensive to to many. Um so again, I'm just saying this in the context of it's not, well, the church is good, and this is all just um, a matter of you know reaching people in the world or something. No, this is very much directed to people that are kingdom people, people that are in Christ, understanding that we need to be people of justice. So Exodus um, 23, 2 and 3 really personalizes it. Check this out. It says, you shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice. Nor, Well, I guess verse 3 goes on to say, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. But look what it says. Don't side with the crowd. Just because the crowd is chanting, you know, this is the way it needs to be. And there's that pressure of, well, I mean, man, this is what everybody's kind of saying. I don't really want to stand out here. I don't want to go against the, you know, go against the grain. I don't want to. No, the Bible literally says, do not do that. We are disobeying God when we just join our voice in with the crowd because the crowd is loud. The crowd is, you know, abrasive. The crowd is, you know, got a lot of mean faces, and if we don't go along with them, they're not going to like us. They're going to be offended. They're going to say bad things about us. Uh, And even not, you know, acquiescence, so just not saying anything. So it seems like you're going along with the crowd, but maybe deep down, I really disagree. That doesn't work either. You shall not fall in with the many. We are not supposed to do that. God literally tells us not to do that. And this is happening a lot in our society. You've got the silent majority in many respects being led around by the vocal minority who want to do evil. And so we need to be careful um, that we don't fall into that because God has literally told us this is not how we're supposed to operate. Leviticus 19.15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial, check this out, to the poor or defer to the great. 
but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Judging against the the rich or the great or the powerful in order to bring them down is wrong. That is an abomination to God. Just because somebody, well, this person over here doesn't have as much and this person over here has a lot, so I mean, they can give a little. That is an abomination to God. It's an abomination. Now, if a rich person wrongs someone. They're rich, they're powerful, they've got friends in high places and all that. Now, our justice system in this country, that person is probably going to get off, okay? That person is going to hire the best lawyers and have all this stuff, and this other person over here, they can't afford anything. I mean, the chances are high, they're going to lose even if they're right. Or they're going to have to settle out of court because they can't afford the astronomical costs of defending themselves. That's not justice, that's injustice. That's the favoring the rich. Now, most people, when we think about our justice system and, and, and lopsidedness, that's where we go. We think, yeah, the people that are rich are powerful and they know people and know, that know people and this kind of stuff. They're the ones that have the, the system work for them. But that's not always the case. Sometimes there's the well-off, well-to-do um, person that gets dragged into court and the jury or the judge is partial toward this other person who, well, they just didn't have the same background and same chances in life as you. Or they, they well, you know, they didn't have, you know, they had a broken home and here you are and you, you grew up in a nice family and so you had an advantage over them. Or, oh, well, you know, you got more money and this has nothing to do with this case. You're not trying to buy off the judge or anything. But, I mean, you can afford to, you know, pay them in this lawsuit even though you're right. That kind of stuff happens too. And I'm here to say God is a God that is impartial. He is impartial. Um, he doesn't favor the rich or the poor. He doesn't just down the rich. And he's like, yeah, the poor, man, that's my peeps. He says, no, it's impartiality. Now, let's go to a couple of scriptures to show that. Romans 2, 6 through 11. He will render to each talking about God, according to his works. This is Romans 2, 6 through 11. That's verse 6. Let me side note, right? You go to the book of Revelation where Jesus is talking about the churches. When he comes to them, he says, I know your works. And he talks about their actions. He, talk, he doesn't say, well, I know that deep down you really do love me, even though you're doing these things over here that I don't like. He says, I know your works. That's what I'm going by. God, oh, God knows my heart. Yes, and it was God, right? Jesus said it's out of the abundance of the heart that these things come. The outward actions and, and, and character and words and all these things, they come from the heart. We might say, well, I didn't mean it. In my heart, I really mean this. We might say, well, I'm disobeying God in all these ways. I'm doing all these things that are against God, but really I love God deep down. God says, I'm calling baloney on that. If your actions are showing it, that's what's in your heart. That's how, I mean, that's how God operates. And a lot of times the church, we don't want to recognize, we don't want to see people's actions. Oh no, we just got to you know, love people and hope for the best. Well, no, we love people and we hope for the best, but we have to be living in reality. And if somebody is clearly showing that their heart is not in it, their love is not in it, they're not, their face is not toward God, they're not repentant, how do we know these things? How do you know? Like we said 
um, over the last couple of times. I mean, how, how, how do you know when someone is, is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? You will see it. It's not like I've got love, joy, peace, and, you know, patience and gentleness all in my heart, but you can't actually see that on, on the outside. These things will come to fruition and bear themselves out in our actions. And that is what Jesus says. I'm coming and I know your works. This is what this says. God will render to each according to his works. Verse 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are, check this out, self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Who are these people? Evil, murderous, ravenous. No, it's self-seeking people who don't obey God. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you're to say, hey, give me a one-liner for for the Western, for Western culture, for people in America, for I mean, if you said people who are self-seeking and don't want to obey God, I mean, that pretty much nails it. (laughs) But they go to church on Sunday. So what? Do you know how many people go to church on Sunday and they are self-seeking people who don't obey God? Gobs of them. Gobs of them. It's not just it's not just sitting our behind for sixty minutes on a chair while somebody you know tells us how good we are, how awesome we are, and how much God loves us, and how how He's going to make us rich and keep us healthy, and then send us to heaven when we croak. I mean that that that's who who, who can't do that, right? And now you got online church, you don't have to go to hear that. <laughs> you don't even have to show up; just tune in while you're in your jammies. This is not God. This is not the kingdom of God. This is not how. God operates. And if you're in that kind of environment, hey, reach out to us. We will be, be glad to help you come further in your walk with God and say, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm desiring more than this, this facade, this pseudo-Christianity. If you want something more and you don't have it, reach out. We would be glad to help lead you and guide you into your next step in your journey with Christ. But here we're talking about how God says This is what he's going to do. People who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, what do they have to look forward to? Wrath and fury. Verse 9, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But, verse 10, glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 11, here's the kicker. For God shows no partiality. He's going to render to everyone according to their deeds, according to their works, not according to their feeling, not according to their hoping, not according to their bold proclamations. If I had a dollar for every bold proclamation that I've heard from somebody about living for God and how they're going to do this and do that, I'll never, you know, and I'll always and all this and that. If I had a dollar for every one of those that turned into a load of horse crap, can I say horse crap? I mean, I'm you know I'm a pastor, but I mean it, you know it's just it's just poop, right? Um, if I had a dollar, I would be a bazillionaire. I'm telling you, so many people. I do this, you do this. You know how many times I've said something and I oh, I really meant it at the time, deep you know deep down, but not really. I meant it. I thought I did, but when I get challenged, when there's a hurdle, when there's an obstacle, when I'm put to the test, I was full of it, <laughs> and um. That's the thing is we we're big on the feeling, we're big on the on the hoping, we're big on the bold proclamation, not so big on the doing. And God doesn't care about any of those other things. He cares about the doing. 
And in the doing, he doesn't show partiality. He doesn't show partiality. So that could be good for, for some people, like, oh, wow, I don't have to have seven generations of being in the kingdom of God for God to acknowledge me. But on the other hand, if you got the seven generations and you hear that God doesn't look at that, you and I are going to stand or fall on our own. <laughs> that could be like, ooh, that stinks. I kind of want God to show partiality, but he doesn't. Then he goes further uh, in, in the scriptures, 1 Timothy 5.21, and he tells us, that we are supposed to mimic him, right? Check this out, 1 Timothy 5.21, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. We're not supposed to do anything from partiality. We are, we are supposed to be impartial people. That's difficult. That's difficult. You'll, you'll be hard on that person's kid because in reality, this is how it should be, and you should not be acting like that. But when it's our kid, do we show partiality? Ooh. Right? Now all of a sudden we're making excuses. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand what they're going through. Okay, well, you should have that same level of understanding for somebody else's kid. Right? So you, oh, well, you don't know what they're going through, and, and, and all. you don't know the backstory. You don't know what they came from. Okay. We should show that same level of grace and mercy to all people. And then when it comes down to the justice and the judgment that needs to be carried out, that should be impartial as well. That's just, that's what God is saying. Now, that's easier said than done. I mean, come on. I live in Realityville just like you do. Hopefully you live in Realityville. Um, and this is, not, this is not easy to do. Courage is not easy. Self-control is not easy. None of the card. It's easy to not have the cardinal virtues. <laughs> it's not so easy to have them day in and day out, right? Because our, our definition we've been working with, warrior versus wimp, a warrior is one who knows God's word and does it consistently. Not just does it yesterday, proclaims it today. You know, it's someone who does it and does it consistently. That's tough. That's not always easy. Um, so I'm with you. This is not easy for me. It's not easy for you. Anybody who says it's easy, they're probably not doing it correctly. <laughs> so we need to understand that God does not have partiality, and he commands us. We should not be people who are um, partial. Now, we, Scripture does give us a little bit of insight into sort of a life without justice. Let, let me show you Ecclesiastes 8.11. I love this verse because it gives a lot of insight into things. Ecclesiastes 8.11. You're going to write, you're going to want to write that down or commit, commit that address to memory. Um, you don't have to memorize the entire verse, but the concept is so strong. Ecclesiastes 8.11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Because the sentence isn't executed speedily, right? The judgment, the justice, it's not delivered swiftly. Because of that, people's hearts are full of evil. They do evil, right? If every time we told a lie, God came down and, I mean, hit us with a bolt of lightning, we would really think twice about telling a lie, right? If we were over here in the truth and, and then we start veering off into false doctrine— if, if as soon as we started making that turn, God hit us with a lightning bolt, we would really 
really dig in that word and really consider and test things before we just start jumping on the bandwagon of some newfangled idea or sloganeering, okay? But that's not how it is. God stood by and watched Eve eat, eat that fruit, right? She takes the fruit from the tree that God provided, and he said, but I, I want you to give this tree to me. Don't eat this fruit. You can have everything else, but not this one. You think God didn't know what was happening? Of course he did. And then she gave it to Adam, and he didn't stop it. And guess what? He does the same thing today. When we are led away of our lust and enticed, now we can be enticed by some sin, we can be enticed by, by money, we can be enticed by some kind of, ooh, wow, uh, some new doctrine. Oh, it's so secretive and nobody knows about it. And ooh, right? The, the, there's, I mean, just the devil has a, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll say this sometimes, like the, you know, the devil's like the Baskin Robbins. Right, I mean, thirty-one flavors. Maybe they have more now, but um, he's got so much deception ready for us. So many little trinkets and toys and things that he will he will absolutely give to us, and he'll try this one and that one and see what works for us or on us. Um, but we need to be people that realize God. It's not going to swoop in every single time and like save us from this, deliver us out of that temptation, come down and right before the the the, the words of false doctrine come come into our ears, he's gonna he's gonna deafen us so we can't hear it. No, he doesn't. He allows us to be tested. He allows us to to be tempted. He allows these things to happen, and just because he doesn't immediately clamp down and put his boot down on us doesn't mean anything. But what happens is we get away with that one. We we veer off into this thing. We go to that thing. And then before we know it, we have spiraled down so far and away from God. Why? Because justice wasn't met out swiftly. So we need to remember that. Be careful. Be so careful. Um, constantly just looking at ourselves, self-assessing, repenting, confession, before God and others, right? I'm not saying confession in the Catholic sense, but the Bible does talk about confessing your faults one to another. It doesn't say confess your faults to a priest, but it does say to one another. We need to be, in other words, accountable. It doesn't mean you got to go into church and people you don't even know, you're just confessing all the bad things you've done that week or bad bad thoughts that came in here. No, 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 but but we do need to be accountable to people. So we need to, we need to remember that. Um, just because we're not experiencing some kind of consequence immediately doesn't mean God's winking at it or he's okay with it. Um, Luke 30, or 30, <laughs> Luke eleven forty two. right? Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of secret scripture, did you know there's actually 30 chapters in Luke? I'm going to give you some, re- some revelation right now you never heard of before. No, Luke chapter 11, you've probably read this a million times, but check this out. Luke eleven forty two. but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice. You neglect justice and the love of God. You ought to have done these things, right? These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So, yes, they're, they're living under the Old Testament um, 
law right now, right? So yes, you should be tithing mint and herbs and all this stuff. That, that, that is in the law. This is the time of law, and you should be doing it. Absolutely 100%. That was God-given, right? But he says, mm, but, but the bigger picture, the bigger things, you're neglecting these. Justice and love, which is an interesting thing. They are not separate. Lack of justice, lack of judgment, lack, that, that does not equal love. Well, I'm just so loving, I don't, I don't want to... That's not loving. It's not loving at all. Love is not the absence of justice, punishment, and the like. Rather, loving people is the loving, consistent, and balanced administration of justice. That's important. Love is not the absence of justice but it is the consistent, balanced administration of justice. We're not showing partiality. We're not flying off the handle because we're mad. This is the fourth time I've had to tell you this. No, no, no. It, we, we do it in balance. We do it um, consistently. Well, this time you don't get away with it. Next time you do. No, it's consistent, but it, and it's balanced, and it's done in love. That's, that's what love is. That's what love is. Um, people... When they go to you know First Corinthians, uh, chapter thirteen, the love uh, the love chapter, people call it the love chapter. Um, let me just pull it up right here. Um, huh, I don't know what happened there. They they forget they for a lot of times people will people will pull out pull out certain things that appeal to them, but then they forget some of the other things that, that are in this chapter, right? Oh, love is love is kind, right? Ooh, love doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. You shouldn't be rude. That's not loving, right? But look at this. This is one that a lot of people forget. It does not insist on its own way. <laughs> right? I can't tell you how many people in a church setting where there are there are loving leaders and stuff and people that have said, hey, listen, you know, this is what the scripture reveals. These are things, and people want to do things their way. And they'll say, Oh, you're unloving by trying to tell me I should and shouldn't and judging me and blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. Are you insisting on your way? You, yeah. <laughs> that's not loving. People forget that's there right? It's not resentful. And there's a lot of people who talk about, oh, these people aren't loving. But the very person speaking, you can, you, can you can tangibly feel the resentment like coming off of them, like a heat wave, <laughs> right? Um, rejoices with the truth. Well, when the truth of God's word says justice needs to be met out here, judgment needs to happen, something right? Somebody needs to bear some consequences. If you love, you will rejoice in that truth. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I could go on, but those are just some simple examples. So we, we need to be careful when we get off on this, like, oh, you got to be loving. Scriptural love, which, of course, we have a podcast episode on that, too. You can go check out. But scriptural love is usually not this mealy-mouthed um, feeling uh, that so many people think it is. It's very balanced and very real. Um, 
and it and is not absence of justice and truth. It it incorporates them. So so let me show you something though. Kind of continuing on this line of it's loving to have justice. Deuteronomy twenty seven nineteen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, uh, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When we pervert justice, there. We can, be, we can be soliciting a curse on ourselves. Remember, God said there's an abomination when people pervert just, you're, you're letting the wicked off and you're condemning the, the righteous. Is it loving to allow someone to be in that, that vein where they're possibly bringing a curse of God on them? I don't think so. I don't think that's loving. I think it's loving even though it may offend or hurt their feelings or whatever. I think it's loving to point out what justice requires. Isaiah 59, 9 and 10, Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. Now, if you read through the these you know, first 10, 15 verses of Isaiah, there's several verses that talk about the perversion of justice and how there's a need for this um, and how it's, 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 it's gone, okay? When there isn't justice in a land, darkness, gloom, that is the path. That is the destination. That's where you're going to arrive. When a life is full of of never bearing consequences for bad decisions, bad character, bad ideas. When there's never any consequence, guess what happens? Remember Ecclesiastes 8.11, those things just continue. So a nation that buys into a bad idea, a bad ideology, and there's no immediate consequence for that bad ideology, Maybe a generation or two goes by and buys into this ideology. Eventually, there will be consequences, but the only reason they kept going down that path was because there wasn't immediate justice. But eventually, you'll end up in darkness. Had there been justice, it could have been prevented. You're telling me it's loving to allow someone to go down the path of darkness? I don't think so. To end up where they're like the blind and they don't even they can't even tell dark from light. No, that's not loving. So again, back to this love thing, it is loving to be people of justice. It is unloving to be people who absolve from avoid justice. Um I want to end here with uh this this idea of being an ambassador, being an ambassador um for God, because who's justice, <laughs> right? Social justice? Uh, no, not that one. Um, whose justice are we talking about here? Because if one person over here thinks it's just to rob from the rich and give to the poor, right? We did a podcast episode called Robin Hood Was a Sinner. I mean, that's, that is not just. <laughs> Stealing from people is not okay, just because they have more money than this person over here. Um. So, who's justice, right? As people of God, people of the kingdom, the justice that we must stand for and align with 
is determined by God. His principles, his precepts, his kingdom, his laws, right? That's what we have to stand with. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our job is that of an ambassador. God is the one proclaiming the truth, proclaiming the, 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 the ground rules, proclaiming the principles, all of this. Our job is just to be polyparrot and repeat it. That's it. Our job, and we might be able to elaborate on it and, and explain something to someone. You give somebody a Bible verse and you, you've done some digging and some study, so you can, and I'm getting ready to do that in a second here, but you can, you can give a little more insight into it, that kind of thing. But, but ultimately, the insight, the translation, the revelation you're giving, it all needs to be firmly established in the Word of God. If we start departing from God's Word, we are not an ambassador anymore. We have made ourselves right? If the ambassador of the United States goes to a foreign country and starts saying things the president has not given them authorization to say and do, that person is no longer acting as an ambassador. They have put themselves in the, in the place of the president. So if we act outside of our authority as an ambassador, we are putting ourselves in in the place of who? who? Who called us to be an ambassador? Christ, <laughs> right? We're putting ourselves in the place of Christ. That's a very dangerous thing, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> and I'm going to get to that right here. In Exodus chapter 20, I think a lot of people know, um, you know, within the Ten Commandments, the don't take the name of the Lord in vain, right? Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Right? But what does, that, what does that really mean? Now, obviously, I think that means, of course, on the surface, just the surface level, we should revere the, the name of the Lord. We shouldn't use you know, the name of Jesus or, or, or God. And these, these types of things is like a swear word or just an exclamation point um, on a sentence. I, we, we really should revere and love God and not pervert the use of His His. His name and 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 this, you know the sanctity and holiness of who He is um, by using it as a figure of speech. I believe that's true. But I but this word right, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Again, if you want to go to say Blue Letter Bible, look this up. This is Exodus twenty and seven. That do not take or thou shalt not take. It is Strong's H five three seven five. 5375, Nassau, all right? It's the same word um, that means to carry, to bear, okay? It means more than like saying, saying God flippantly. It means to really carry who God is and what he stands for in a way that he does not. Putting yourself out there to proclaim the word of God, for instance, as someone who's an ambassador proclaiming the word of God, but God has not sent you. You are not even saying what God has said. That is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And I like the Amplified Version. So if you're not familiar with the Amplified Version, just real quick, a lot of times what the Amplified Version does is you've got, you've got the translation of the Bible, but in the sort of the brackets or whatnot, it, it does like the word study that I just did, right? You go to 
Strong's, you look it up, you do some research, you can see what the word really is. What is the true context and connotation of that meaning? It, the word take, that's a great, that's a fine translation, but what do you mean by take, right? I can take some of my money out of the bank. I can take an exam. I can take my child to the jumpy house place, right? All those words take, but they mean very different things. One of them, I'm drawing money out of my bank. One of them, I'm actually with my child. We are together. We're going to a place and spending time together. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's, they mean vastly different things, but the word take is a fine way of saying it. You can say it that way. So what the Amplified Version does is tries to give a little bit of that word study within the verse. So that's why you've got those little brackets and stuff. So here's, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, in brackets, it says, that is irreverently in false affirmations or in ways that impugn the character of God. For the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. So what is it saying in those brackets? Irreverently in false affirmations or in ways that impugn the character of God, right? We are a representative of God. If we're being a bad representative, we're saying things that is not what God said. We're saying, oh, you know, I think God would, and that is not what God, how he thinks or his character, right? We are taking the name of God in vain. That's what that that's what that means. And so we should really, we should really be careful because there are so many people, they would never think to murder someone, right? Or maybe even they, they would never commit adultery or they would never steal or lie, right? These parts of the Ten Commandments. But on a regular basis, they're teaching and preaching false doctrine. That is breaking this commandment. On a regular basis, they're saying things and putting themselves as an ambassador in God. Oh, yeah, man, the Bible says you shouldn't judge. You have just taken the name of the Lord in vain. You have said something that that is not what the Scripture is saying. That, <laughs> this happens all now. If you think about it, you expand your idea of what that commandment means. I've done it. You've done it. So many people have broken this and not even realized they would never utter, you know, J Jesus as a curse word because they slammed their hand in the door or whatever. They would never say that, but they'll gladly misrepresent him as a Christian or a representative of the kingdom. And that's what it's saying. Very dangerous stuff. Now, in Exodus 10, 13, the Bible talks about the wind brought the locusts, and that word brought is this same word, right? Nasa. It's the same word, Nasa. And then Isaiah 14, 4, the Bible says, this is God saying, he says, take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. So, you know, Isaiah is going to go and he's going to, you know, prophesy and say some words against the king of Babylon. That word take up, same word, Nasa, right? So it's more than just saying God, <laughs> right? It is very serious we should take the role of the ambassador of Christ extremely serious. If you don't know the answer to something, just tell somebody, I don't know. What do you think the Bible says? I don't know. Better to say, I don't know, let's research it, let's find it out, than to give somebody a wrong idea, to give somebody 
wrong information. You're a representative of Christ. This is how Jesus would think it. This is what Jesus says. And then that's not what Jesus says. Very, 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 very serious issue. So what kind of justice are we supposed to proclaim? The justice found in the word of God. We are supposed to be people who proclaim God's justice. 2 Timothy 4, I'm going to end it here, 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. He tells Timothy, preach the word. Don't go beyond it. Don't preach less than it. Because if you preach less than the word, that's not the word. If you preach more than the word, that's not the word. Don't add to or take away. This is a concept from both Deuteronomy and from Revelation. Don't add to or take away from the word of God. Our job is to preach the word. So we are to preach the word. We are to be impartial administrators of justice. We are to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So let's be warriors and not wimps. Let's get out there and exhibit these cardinal virtues. Let's be people of justice. I love you. I hope this has helped you. Please reach out on Facebook through the email, podcast at breadbreakers.com, or you can hit us up in the comments if you're on YouTube for this video. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Let us know if this is helping you or if you have questions or just a, hey, you know what? I wanted to just say, hey, man, I love this stuff, love the content. We really appreciate it. Love you. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next episode.